Hello folks, my name is Maddie B and we are back at it again with another There's Too Much to Think podcast episode. Now, with Valentine's Day right around the corner, I figured why not ruin yet another holiday for you? Like I've already ruined Thanksgiving and Christmas probably. So now I'm going to ruin Valentine's Day for you. Um if you are wondering can we ever have anything nice? The answer is no. I need to impart my cursed-ass knowledge to you. Um, so, yeah. As usual with the holidays, um, I'm going to be discussing where the holiday came from, who the main guy behind it was. In this case, there are three. Well, actually, there's over 10,000. But there are three main ones that people usually look to. Um, and I will be talking about those three. And why we have things associated with the holidays, such as cards and chocolates, for example. So any possible trigger warnings include the mention of sacrificed animals, beheadings, sex, etc. So this is not a um, fun holiday episode for you to listen to with your kids. So um, here we go. With that, let's dive into the fact that, surprise, surprise, Valentine's Day is another pagan holiday. Alright, so if you listen to the history of Christmas I did in December, then you know a lot of our current holidays and our celebrations of said holidays start out pagan. Um, before time, as well as thousands of years of death and destruction from the Catholics at the time, which also, I just want to say real quick, if I mention things like Catholics or any type of religion, and I say, like, death, destruction, I am not putting down your religion. You can believe in anything you ever want to believe in. If it makes you feel better inside that you believe in a god or gods that is completely fine, that is completely okay, I don't care. Um, Like, I don't care what you believe in, but if it's something like the people who have died because of Catholics and because of past Christians and what, 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 whatever, I'm going to say the truth, and this is the truth. So, on with that, um, because of the, the death and destruction from the Catholics at the time caused, um, the celebrations to change, right? Obviously, over time, as well as, like, the world changing, Things are going to make things change, right? How poetic of me. Um, But the exact origins of the holiday are are unknown, but there are three theories um, about this, the origins of this holiday, and buckle up because I'm going to tell you all of them. So, the first theory is that Valentine's Day was originally a Roman holiday called Lupercalia. If you've watched Netflix's Sabrina the Teenage Witch or whatever, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, you remember that episode because what the hell, they're children. Um, 
And yeah, that's essentially what it is. So, Lupercalia um, was a Roman festival that took place between February 13th to February 15th. And was a festival all about fertility, right? That, Sabrina did not get wrong. Due to the fact that the festival was originally to celebrate the founding of ancient Rome, it kind of made sense. The birth of Rome. Okay, now it's a, now it's a holiday about fertility. So, according to articles done by The Guardian, as well as one done by History, uh, this is what is said about the event. Young men classed as priests run around half-naked, slapping women with the bloody skin of a goat that they just sacrificed in honor of the festival. So... And the article by The Guardian is quoted as saying, quote, Most women deliberately stood in the way of the running priests uh, and were eager to be lashed on vicious on various parts of their body. The literary and vi- visual evidence shows everything was fair game, from a gentle touch on the palms to lashes on the exposed backside. So... End quote. So, clearly, you know, it was normal. Uh, the Guardian does go on to say that, like, while these were slaps, they weren't slaps intended to, like, bruise you, right? These were, like, playful slaps with dead skin. So, they- it's kind of awful. But, at least it's not like, let's go ham on these women, right? So, it's a weird tradition, and they even would, like- um, slap the ground of crops, like where they would plant their crops, of the fields where they would plant their crops, because they believed that that would make the land fertile. Um, what can I say, man? Romans were crazy. So, um, when a woman was hit by these, it was said that she would be fertile in the next year and would be able to give birth to a healthy child. Uh, and to welcome the fertility, according to the history article I mentioned earlier, it was legend that the women of Rome would put their names on slips of parchment in a, into a big urn, where the men of Rome would go up and pick the names of a woman out of it, and the two would, well, they would go have fun for the next couple of days, till the end of the festival. So, most of these pairings would end in marriages, obviously. But there's another wild theory that I'm going to tell you about here in just a second. Alright, so... The three men who could have been the founder for the holiday, um, and how the holiday might be to celebrate their executions. You heard me right. So according to an article done by the Smithsonian Magazine, two of the men were persecuted under the reign of Roman Emperor Claudius Gothicus, which, by the way, Gothicus, really, in 270 AD. I can't remember if that's before Christ or after Christ, so you're just going to have to roll with AD. Look it up if you're confused. I'm confused, too. I think it's before Christ, but at the same time, there are people who say that... These people believed in Christ, so it couldn't be before Christ. So, anyway, keep in mind, though, their names weren't Valentine, their names were Valentini, like a friggin' martini, like it was a drink. So, the first Valentini we know of is a man who died in Africa with 24 other soldiers. 
that's all we know about him. We know nothing else about him. We don't know why they died. We don't know wh- why they were in Africa. We just know his name was wh- uh, like one of the ones that was listed with the deaths, right? So the other two Valentines we know are a bit, um, we know a bit more about, right? So, well, at least we think there's two. Keep in mind, at least we think there's two. Um, there has been some debate on whether or not these two instances I'm about to tell you are two different men, or if they are the same man. Given that they have the same name, probably not the best argument to have. So, the first one was arrested during the Roman prosecution uh, persecutions of Christians. Like I said, every religion has a bad side. And uh, before Christians gained power in Rome, um, Rome kind of went batshit and killed all the Christians. So, when brought before the emperor, Valentini refused to convert, and as such, he was put under house arrest. The head of house then challenged Valentini to show the true power of God, right? Uh, And... so he did, uh, curing a blind girl of her illnesses. Some of my sources say that it was, uh, the head of house's daughter. Some say it was a servant. Um, regardless, when Emperor Claudius Gothicus found out, uh, he had Valentini executed. Uh, in another article done by the National Geographic, the second man, uh, the second one was a man named Bishop Valentine of Terni. I think so I say it. And this, he was also another miracle worker and was known for the ability to heal disabilities. Um, wish I had that. So he was later beheaded because he wouldn't convert to paganism. All right. He was very much like, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Screw that. Uh, these two men were then beheaded on February 14th. And would la- it would later be turned into a feast once the uh, Christians took over to celebrate the saints um, and their, you know, dedication to the cause. So, how in the world did the lustful Roman holiday, Roman festival, and an execution end up in a holiday where we give each other, give each of our loved ones some candy and some flowers and maybe a balloon and some cards you know i'm about to tell you all right so in most of my sources our first ever mention of this being a holiday about love was way back in a poem called Parliament of Fowls written by Geoffrey Chaucer. You may have heard that name. It's the author of the Canterbury Tales. I remember vividly reading this in my class last year. So glad my professor had current English because there's no way I would have been able to read it in Middle English. Look up what Middle English looks like and you tell me how to read it. So, regardless, sorry about that mini rant, I just had war flashbacks. So, um, it was believed that um, the poem argued about the European birds and how they started to mate mid-February and as such it was a time for love. 
uh, I believe it's the National Geographic auth- uh, uh, article that I will have linked in my show notes down below. Please go check that out and answer the Q&A that's down there while you're at it. Um, or the poll or whatever I decide to put down there. Um, but the problem is, like, it was... It was the quote was in Middle English, so I, I, I'm not gonna recite that for you. We all know my pronunciation skills aren't the best, so if you want, you can go look at it. But it does say Valentini or Valentinus or something like that, uh, which sounds a lot like Valentine. So because the birds started to mate mid-February, um, it was believed that this was a time for love, right? ask me it's time for lust but whatever uh the romanticization of valentine's day can only continued when poets and playwrights like shakespeare stepped onto the scene the guy that i have a personal vendetta against i will hear nothing more he was an okay writer so proof is here in hamlet act scene act four scene five tomorrow is quote tomorrow is saint valentine's day all in the morning bedtime and i am made at your window to be your valentine end quote um and thus right european noblemen and women were now writing things back and forth often ending with uh there's one it was like the like lord in new orleans um or whatever, and he wrote to his wife at the time, my gentle Valentine. And that's 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 in the Smithsonian article, so you can go and look at that if you want. So, right, it only just got bigger and bigger, and it, the, it, it eventually started to get widespread, and industrialization came along, only making it bigger, and it going across the sea, uh, seas and whatnot, so... With that, let's talk about why we have chocolate and cards. So, why chocolate? Chocolate has been seen as an aphrodisiac since the Aztecs. Is it actually? We don't know. Uh, There's not very much evidence that supports that it is, more of like a psychological thing, which it might just be linked to the fact that you, I don't know, appreciated your partner and got them something, and so now they wanna appreciate you, if you know what I mean. I am disgusted with myself. So, according to NPR, Bernal Diaz Castillo, um chron- chronicler he was the writer uh for Hernan Cortez who was the conqueror of Mexico um which like gross so reported that cocoa was something that was uh, was used quite often right uh before the Spaniards attacked the Aztecs because it was a thing where the two didn't know each other that much, so they were kind of, like, testing each other out, seeing, like, what is okay and what is not. Um, and it was actually the Spaniards who, like, went behind their backs, went behind the Aztecs' backs. So, 
But before the Spaniards attacked the Aztecs, uh, Moctezuma, the Aztec emperor at the time, shared the cocoa, um, the cocoa plant that, like, makes chocolate, quote, with a certain drink made of cocoa, which they said was for success with woman, end quote. Um, after the success of the conquest, the frothy cocoa drink, because, again, it was a drink, uh, it was not a bar. It would not become a bar for quite some time. Um, became very popular in Spain, obviously among nobles. Right. Quickly, by 1615, the drink became popular in other European countries, such as Italy and France. It slowly became popular in England with King Charles II, who at the time was notorious for his interest in sex and chocolate, um, spending over 20 or 230 pounds, which if you want to do the conversion, you can, but like, I think it's pretty similar to American dollars. And back then, that would have been thousands of dollars in chocolate. Um, so safe to say he was a, um, Chocoholic, I think is how you say it. Um, he was addicted to chocolate. At this point, though, chocolate was still a luxury, right? These drinks were still luxury. It wasn't for the people who were, you know, had five kids and had to take on like five different jobs just to make ends meet. You know, it was it it was for the people that were in castles. So by 1847, however, Valentine's Day had become extremely popular due to the mass production of Valentine's Day cards, which hold on to that later because I will be talking about it, and the inexpensive uh, penny invention, right? So suddenly, the middle class had access to this delicacy and the invention of the chocolate bar made with the chocolate cocoa plant, as well as um, making cocoa butter for the first time, um by J.S. Fry and Sons, the company J.S. Fry and Sons, the capitalization of Valentine's Day began, all right? For all those people who are like, it's just a, it's just a commodity, it's just a commercial, whatever, holiday. Shut up and buy your partner something. So in, in 1861, a new competition rose through the ranks in the uh, chocolate business, however, right? And you may not, and you may recognize this last name, Richard Cadbury. That's right, Cadbury Eggs. Um, launching the, quote, fancy boxes, uh, which were delicated boxes with bonbons, chocolate-favored ganache, like creams, like French creams and whatnot, and other treats, um, he quickly took over, right? Well, it didn't even take long after that, total of six years, uh, in 1867, when these fancy boxes were then formed into the shape of a heart. So there we go, we get the first ever heart Valentine's Day thing, right? Cute, wonderful, fantastic. Um, it was said that, like, this, like, people would put their love letters they would put like all sorts of post-it notes and whatnot in these boxes so after the chocolate it just became this placeholder like there's even places i think it was the npr article i mentioned earlier that said like people would even save hair from their loved ones and put it in the box which is an interesting choice um it was this that made chocolate a valentine's day present all over the world, right? Because 
who doesn't love a heart-shaped box with chocolate? Which is why you get the heart-shaped box with chocolates now. Uh, obviously not as fancy as the Cadbury ones that were probably back then. Um, but yeah, so with that, let's dive into the history of the cards. Um, yeah. Alright, so, history of the cards. Uh, as I kind of touched on this earlier, I kind of I did, but I still want to talk about it. In the 1840s in America, instead of Europe this time, because we're back over here, even though I know I do have a couple European listeners, thank you so much. Um, it's so nuts that my voice is heard across the sea. Um, but with the increase in printing presses and the increase in paper products, things like cards became normal. According to the University of Nevada, um, not Nevada, no, it's Nevada, uh, some of these cards would have like lace on them, pictures, or small decorations, right? Sometimes if you wanted to pay extra, people literally had jobs called Valentine writers, right? Uh, which would write famous poems, like bits and pieces of famous poems, or the entirety of the famous poem uh, that had sexual innuendos in them. <laughs> um, so the quote from the university, there's a quote from the university claiming that this was one of the innuendos, quote, grating someone's nutmeg, end quote. I'm sure I don't have to explain to you what that means. Um... But yeah, I just find it so funny that, like, we think, like, people in the past didn't have a sense of humor. And then they're like, <laughs> sexual innuendo, let me send that over to my partner. Isn't that so funny? So, um, in the 1850s and 60s, Esther Holland of Worcester, Massachusetts, please, East, East States, don't get mad at me, I'm from the West, um was one of the earliest Valentine business owners, which I think is very interesting because she's a woman. She's a woman in the 1800s becoming a business owner. Good for her. So as she was the daughter of an insurance agent who also ran a stationery store, she asked her father to import fancy lace and cardstock from England for these cards, right? From there, she employed many women who were friends of the family. So we have our first, like, we have our, like, one of... So not only do we have, like, the thing that tipped the scale in America to have Valentine's Day cards, but we also had a women-owned business. Can we just appreciate that? So uh, after the cards were made, she would then have her brothers share samples of the cards across, uh, because they were traveling salesmen. So she was making connections. She was, she was an entrepreneur back in the day. She, amazing. So obviously her business quickly took off. Hallmark, however, the staple of these cards, was founded in 1911. I had no idea that it went the back, that, back that far. So, and with the development of technology and the ability to produce cards in various textures and colors, the rest is kind of history. And with that, that is the end of today's episode. Um, I hope you had fun. I know this is a little bit shorter, um, but I just kind of figured, like, because we went from Elizabeth, Elizabeth Bowtery 
to Disney, ruining Disney for you. I just kind of wanted something a little bit more lighthearted, which I know it didn't really start out lighthearted, but it's a little bit more lighthearted because it is a holiday and uh, this is your reminder to get something for your partner Um, because I know some of y'all forget and I'm definitely not talking about myself. Um, So yeah, I hope y'all have a wonderful week. And I will be back next Friday with probably something spooky. So, get ready for that. Maddie B, signing off. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Before I sign off, please answer the Q&A or the poll that's going to be down there. Uh, Check out the show notes. Share with your friends. Do whatever. Do whatever you got to do. I really love um, seeing that listeners seeing those listens steadily climb we are almost to 100 listens you guys and it's kind of insane that i started this in september and it is now february and i am almost to 100 listens and given the fact that i record these from my phone um that's amazing so i appreciate all the support and yeah share with your friends have a good weekend Bye bye